Welcome to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. Let's get inspired. Hi, friend, and thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Crafting and Coffee. I'm your hostess, Amy Latta. I am the author and blogger behind amylattacreations.com. And today I am really excited to chat with you because I want to talk about something that I love to do, and that is to teach workshops. Now, if you are listening to a podcast that's titled Crafting and Coffee, I'm guessing that you are a creative type that likes to do your own sorts of crafts and art. And one of the things that I think a lot of us creatives have in common is that we don't just like to make things for ourselves, although that is fun. We also like to share our creativity with others. Sometimes that looks like making things for them. But one of the other things that I really enjoy is sharing my skill set with others and teaching them that they can make and create beautiful things too. One of my absolute favorite things to do is to work with people who feel like they are not particularly creative and they come into it saying, oh, I've never made anything that I liked or I just, I don't have that gift and showing them that they really can create something awesome that they want to display in their homes. So for me, I absolutely love teaching my specialty, which is hand lettering. I have all kinds of tutorials for that, as well as other craft projects on my blog. I have, uh, you know, obviously the podcast. I have three hand lettering books out now. But I love that in-person experience when I get to host a workshop and really walk people through the basic steps and skills so that they can create a little hand-lettered piece and take it home with them. So ever since I published my first book back in July of 2017, I've been going around locally. I've done workshops in all different kinds of places, and I've done some on a larger scale as well. Um, In September, I'm going to be at the Pinners Conference in Dallas. I previously have taught at Pinner's Conference Atlanta. I've had the opportunity of being a speaker at Haven Conference in Atlanta. Um, I've presented at the CCSA convention, which is for folks that own the ceramic studios. Um, I did that in Missouri. So I've gotten the opportunity to travel to different places around the country teaching these workshops as well. And every time it's so rewarding for me because I get to walk into a group, sometimes composed of artists, sometimes not, and I get to share with them my skill set and my expertise and teach them to do what I love to do. So I'm thinking that most of you probably aren't sitting here wondering how to lead a hand lettering workshop, although you may be, but we all have a range of different creative talents and passions. You have something that you love to do, whether it's quilting or sewing or crochet or cross-stitching or making things with clay or making jewelry. Something in that list or maybe something that I didn't mention really resonates with you. Maybe you paint with watercolors. Uh, There's all kinds of different skills that we bring to the table. And so as we chat today, I want to talk to you about how to take the thing that you are passionate about and turn it into a workshop format that you can teach and share with people in your own community. So as we dive into this, uh, the first thing, the first step to leading a creative crafty workshop is that you have to choose that thing that you're going to teach. So I just listed off a whole bunch of different skills that you might have. And when we're choosing what we're going to teach at the workshop, we want to take that skill and narrow it down even more. 
we're not in any world <laughs> going to teach somebody everything there is to know about crochet in a one or two hour workshop. Just not going to happen. It doesn't happen with hand lettering either. So when I choose my workshops, I have a beginner lettering workshop, which is the standard thing that I do. And that involves teaching people about faux calligraphy. It teaches them the basics about how to use a brush pen. And I'm always very upfront about the fact that you need lots and lots of practice and repetition to master that skill. But I teach them, you know, the essentials and let them practice. And I teach a set of maybe six or seven different little embellishments that they can use along with the faux calligraphy and brush script. And then I give some opportunity, a time at the end where they create a little project, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But I have a very specific set of skills. It's the faux calligraphy, the beginner brush technique, and a series of basic beginner embellishments. And that is my beginner lettering workshop. That's the goal. I also teach a second level next steps workshop and that covers flourishes, it covers bounce lettering, and it covers design grids or thumbnail sketches and how to lay out a design. So for each workshop I have a very clear different set of expectations and things that I want to communicate to my audience. So let's say that you're someone who knows how to crochet and you want to teach that. You might focus on the chain stitch and the single crochet. You're also going to have to teach them how to get started, how to do a slip knot, because they're not going to know coming in. Focusing on those few stitches is going to let everybody feel successful. Maybe you want to teach how to cross stitch. So you're going to talk about how to set up your cloth within the hoop. You're going to talk about tying a knot, threading your needle. You're going to talk about the basics of how to follow a pattern and how to make that X stitch. Maybe you want to teach how to sew an invisible hem. Maybe you have a specific project in mind. Uh, recently, I was able to go on my local news and I shared a springtime project, which was a marbled flower pot. It was really easy and it wasn't teaching all the paint techniques I know. It was one particular technique and it was a given project. We're going to do this thing. So whatever your skill is, you know, you can choose a particular project. Maybe it's a little piece of particular jewelry. Maybe it's a certain necklace or a certain pair of beaded earrings or something made with wire. But you want to keep your goal very achievable and very defined because there's no way that you're ever going to teach anyone everything that you know about a topic in one workshop. Keep it simple. Keep it something that you can teach within that given time so that people walk out feeling successful. So that first step is to choose what exactly am I going to teach? What's the general topic? And then more specifically, what skills am I going to impart to my audience during this workshop? The second thing is to choose your finished projects. Anytime someone attends a workshop, they want to leave with more than just knowledge. If it's a craft workshop, that is. They want to leave with a thing that they've made. So in my workshops, what we do is after we've practiced the skills, I have folks kind of put those skills together to letter something. It could be as simple as a monogram or their last name, or it could be a really long quote. It could be a Bible verse. It could be anything they want. And I ask people to bring a frame along to the workshop. An 8 by 10 is usually my favorite, or they can bring something smaller. And I provide Bristol board, which is like a nice, smooth, heavy cardstock, and they create a project on that and they trim it down and they're able to put it in that frame and take it home. 
Um, other times, I do it on a canvas. Um, price is a consideration, which we're going to talk about shortly. So some of my workshops end up having the canvas, which is a little more expensive, while other times my cheapest option is making that little Bristol board project that they can cut out and frame. Um, but you want something that they can take home. If your workshop is geared toward a specific project, like that flower pot that we talked about, or maybe it's a teacher appreciation gift or that certain beaded pair of earrings, then you've already done this step. But if you've started with something like, you know, I'm going to do beginner crochet, you want to choose something very simple that is achievable, something that someone could make within a little tiny short period of time and feel like they made something. It could be a little dishcloth. It could be, you know even just a, a tiny little sampler type thing, um, but something that they can walk out with and say, I learned and I made this. Um, the next thing that you want to do once you've chosen your topic and your project is that you want to set a price for this workshop. No one expects you to give your time or your supplies away for free. Anytime that you're leading a hands-on workshop, there is cost involved. You are assuming some sort of price. Um, when I do my worksheets, or my workshops rather, I have worksheets, I have handouts that I've created and I have to print out on my own printer. I collate them myself, I staple them myself. So that takes time as well as printer ink and paper. I also have a class set of markers. My class set um, is enough for about 30 to 40 people. Um, and then if I have a bigger workshop, I always have to work with sponsors to try to get things donated so that we have more markers. But basically, I have enough Tombow dual brush pens for about 40 people. I have 40 Tombow Fudunosuke pens and Pentel touches. I have 40 pencils, 40 erasers, things that people can use while they're learning. But then I get them back at the end of the workshop. So I do factor in the fact that these are my markers. I had to purchase them and then I am allowing wear and tear on them. Eventually, um, I have markers that wear out because people have used and used and used them and then I have to replace them. So those things all go into consideration as well. Like I mentioned, um, at the finished project, we're either working with Bristol board that I purchased or canvases that I bring. And again, that's something, you know, you have to figure how much am I paying for this or you can ask people to supply their own surface. I could say, bring your own canvas. Like I do say sometimes, bring your own frame and I'll provide the paper and then you can put it in your own frame. Um, so sometimes, you know, people are more than willing to bring their own surface or something to work on or work with. You could say, bring your own marker or bring your own crochet hook or whatever it might be. And people are willing to invest a couple of dollars in a supply if they think they're gonna use it again. You also wanna keep in mind that if you're driving somewhere, you've got mileage involved and wear and tear on your car as well as your time. You're giving up time that you could otherwise be with your family or working or, you know, whatever it is that you might be doing otherwise. So all that, um, you know, think about what is all of that worth? And, you know, are there special supplies that you're investing in? Do you have to rent a space? And then once you have an idea of your cost, you're able to set a price per person that will allow you to not lose money on the endeavor. It's up to you if you want this to be a profitable kind of thing, if you want to make money on it, or if you just want to break even. But um, once you've determined what your cost is, then you're able to make that decision and set your price per person. You're also going to want to set a maximum and minimum enrollment for your classes. Um, I find that personally, 
other than the fact that I need more supplies if I have a class larger than 40 people, I don't mind large classes. At Pinners, I had classes of about 200 people. And as long as I have the AV equipment and people can hear and see me and see what I'm doing with a screen or a computer, um, as long as those things are not barriers, I don't mind working with larger crowds. That's just me. It's also really nice working with a small intimate group and being able to go around to each person one by one and see what they're doing and offer help. So, you know, it's totally up to you where your comfort level is. It also depends on what your space can hold. So you want to think about for you, what is too many people versus what's the number that's not worth your time to drive to that place or that kind of thing. Um, So for me, my minimum is typically 15 people. If someone asks to book a workshop, I say, okay, if you can guarantee me 15 people, then I'll come. And, you know, sometimes that's a private person that wants to do something in their home. Sometimes it's an organization. um, But I always say, as long as you can guarantee me 15 participants, which for me evens out to $300. I charge $20 a person for my beginner lettering workshop, unless we're doing the canvases. Um, And so I'm guaranteed that $300 if I make that trip and then more if more people come. So, so far, we've chosen our topic, we've chosen a finished project, we've set a price, we've set a maximum and minimum number, and then the last thing that you're going to need to choose is your venue. Where are you going to hold this workshop? And honestly, maybe you need to do this before you set your max and min because you're going to need to know what your space can hold and how much it costs. Um, So when you're choosing a venue... There are lots of locations that you can use that are going to be free of cost. Uh, Some of them hold more people, others hold less. Uh, There's always, first of all, your own home. It depends on what your space is like. I have a really large craft room um, art studio in my basement, so I could easily set up two or three tables down here, and I could seat at least 10 people comfortably. Um, I know that not everyone has that luxury. If you don't have a space where everybody could assemble and be comfortable in your home, or if you're just not comfortable inviting people that may even be strangers into your home, totally understandable. So other things that you can look at as far as you going on location You can always use someone else's home. If there's someone that comes to you and says, I want to host a workshop, you can come to their home as long as they're able to gather you that minimum of people to make it worth your time. You can look at local libraries. They are always looking for adult programming. Um, Now, the downside of a local library is that many of them don't really have a budget to make sure that you get paid and they don't allow you to charge participants. It depends on your library system. And I know even within our county's library system, Some libraries do not have a budget for their adult programming, while others do. Um, You know, one branch said, sorry, we can't pay you anything. And another branch said, well, we can't afford your typical rate, but we could give you $150 to come. So, you know, ask around, see what options there are, and decide if that's something that's going to work for you. If you're not looking to do it to make a profit and you just want to share your expertise and your passion, The library is a great space. Um, Some of them have really large meeting rooms that you can do all kinds of things in. You could also look at other local community buildings like churches. Um, A lot of times they'll have a basement or an activity hall uh, where you can 
use that space. Um, if you belong there, lots of times you can use it for free. Um, sometimes you might have to pay a little bit of a fee, but it's nothing substantial. Um, you can look at fire halls, things like that. And another really cool option that um, kind of just became available is that Michael stores have started something called the Community Classroom. They are interested in getting more and more different kinds of classes that they can offer. They obviously don't have the staff to offer every possible kind of crafting workshop. So they're opening up to the community. And if you Google Michael's Community Classroom, that's Michael's Community Classroom, what will come up is a place where you can pitch a class. And you have to have answers to all these questions, of course. You have to say, you know, how many people, I think their max is 12. Um, but you can go ahead and answer all these questions. How much are you going to charge? What are you going to teach? There's a place to add a photo. There's a place to add a little bio of you. And then you submit that proposal. And if they accept it, which they did for mine, um, then they will reply to you and give you dates at your local Michael's store where you're able to go in and lead a workshop there, which is super cool. The one thing that they do require that you do is that you choose at least one supply that's available within Michael's stores. Uh, you get to go on the website and choose an item number and you ask participants to buy that. So for my workshop, I chose an 8x10 canvas and I said, okay, everybody buy this canvas and then come to the workshop. So it's a win-win. Michaels likes it because they're making sales and then they're keeping a little bit of what each person pays to come as well. Um, I think you make 70% of what you charge, um, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> Check it out for yourself. And then um, you get to also choose a couple of dates that work for you and you get to specify which Michaels store in what area you want to do that. So I just chose my local store, but there's other somewhat driving distance stores that I'm going to look at doing after I've done two at my local Michaels. So that's another option that you have if you're looking for a really cool venue. Um, and then once you've done all these things, you've chosen your topic, you've chosen your project, you've chosen a venue, you've set a price, you've set a max and min, you're going to advertise on social media, you're going to get the word out, you can make flyers, you can hang them up at the library, you can put them around the community, um, email your friends, send invitations, do whatever you want to do to kind of spread the word and let people know about this workshop. And then after you have done all of those other things and you're just kind of waiting for the day to come, the last thing that I want to just emphasize that you do is that you practice and make sure that you're comfortable talking about and breaking down your project into steps. Some people are really, really skilled at what they do, but they have no idea how to teach it to someone else. So my suggestion for you is, first of all, Take your skill, whether it's that crochet stitch, whether it's, you know, that project that's step by step, but take whatever it is that you're going to do and break it down into the smallest parts. And I'm telling you, don't feel like this is too basic. This is too simple because I promise you the people that are coming are not going to think that. They're coming because they don't know how to do what you know how to do. So crochet folks, you have to start by teaching them how to do the little slip stitch knot to start off their yarn. They don't know how to do that. You can't just do yours and assume, say, oh, make your knot and now we're going to chain. You have to start at the very beginning. Same thing, you know, if you're teaching cross stitch, you have to show them how to put the fabric in the hoop, 
how to tie a knot in the thread because chances are they don't know. You know, go over what are your materials, break it down into the tiniest of steps. And this is what I do on the blog as well. If you want examples, check out my blog at amylattacreations.com or any other craft blog, art blog that might be in your niche and look at how they break it down into steps. It's very, very simple very logical. We do this. Next, we do this. Next, we do this. You have to kind of hold their hands and walk them through because that's what a good teacher does. A good teacher explains rather than assumes. Never assume that they know how to do anything that you're teaching them to do. If it's too basic, I promise you the people in the workshop will pick it right up And you'll see that they're ready to move on or they'll say, hey, okay, we know this. And then you can move on to something else. But chances are you're not going to be too basic. Everybody always worries about that, but it's not the case. Just assume that you're working with people who don't know how to do what you do. And that's why they're there. Um, I always recommend having handouts or some kind of visuals. And of course, we want this to be hands-on. We want enough supplies that they can actually put their hands on things and do what you're doing. So this way, you know, they're learning by doing, they're learning by hearing you, they're learning by watching, and they're using all their senses to take it in. So break it down, visuals, something they can take home. And I suggest practicing by actually trying to teach someone teach your husband or wife, teach your kids, teach your dog, teach somebody. (laughs) The dog is not the best choice because they won't give you any feedback other than a big lick on the face. So you want somebody who can give you some feedback and say, okay, I understand, or look, I did it, or wait a second, you lost me there. If you've practiced on a real person who doesn't have your skill, then you're going to know what it's going to be like when you get in front of a group of people who doesn't know your skill. So practice, 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 teach someone else, and then you'll know the kinds of questions that your participants are going to have and the kinds of things that you want to make sure that you go over in detail. So that's kind of my how-to for putting together a workshop when you want to teach a crafty skill that you know how to do. So you're going to choose your topic and choose a project that goes along with it, And you want something, again, that can be done in one or two hours. And then you're going to set your price, you're going to set your max and min, set your venue, advertise, and practice, practice, practice. Teaching workshops can be so much fun. And especially, you know, even if you're not a big group presenter, if you keep it small and intimate, you can work one-on-one with people. And it's really, really rewarding to see them pick up and learn how to do the things that you love the most. Um, so if you have any questions about this, I would love to chat with you about how I run my workshops and how I have made them successful. Uh, you can always email me questions at amylattacreations at gmail.com or you can ask questions in my Facebook group, which is called Amy Latta and Friends. Uh, You can, at any time, I've got a contact form on my website. You can fill that out, and I will be happy to get back to you about that. Um, But thanks for listening along today. I hope this has inspired you, and I hope it encourages you to get out there and teach other folks to do what you love to do, because this world can use all the creativity and craftiness and beauty that it can get. Thanks for listening to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. For more inspiration, check out amylattacreations.com.